You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Now, like I said, it is good to be back with uh, uh, my church home and to see, honestly, a lot of people that uh, we love a lot. And uh, I think for us, like, we've lived here for three years now, and uh now it's just like, man, when you come back here, this is like home, and this is our family and friends, and um, vacation was good, and it was really rejuvenating. It's, I mean, honestly, it's good for us to rest. Like, we were made to rest, let me tell you, okay? If, if, if you were thinking that, like, the American dream is to work, 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 and, you know, so that you have all the stuff, I mean, man, we got it wrong. It's, we, we need to be able to rest and abide in God, and it was, it was really good to be able to do that. I got to officiate um, some of my first weddings, that was really cool. Um, I got to even officiate at the church. I first started ministry in North Carolina uh, to a couple that was in my youth group way back in the day. And now I'm like, man, I'm getting old, you know? <laughs> it's happening. And uh, I got to do that, and, and I got to see my beloved Chicago Cubs play, and, and you, know, you know that's important to me and everything, and to be able to see family and friends. But honestly, the most... The best thing about vacation was I got to be able to sleep. Let's be honest. So that was, it was good. So it is good to be back here with you all today. If you can open up your Bibles to James chapter 2, that is where we are going to be as we continue our series, um, How Grace Changes Everything. And like I said, I'm on vaca- I was on vacation. John's going to be gone for a couple weeks. He's resting up and everything. And um, so that's good that he's going to be doing that, but we're going to continue on as a church with uh, what we're doing and what we're learning. And so I'm going to ask you to be there, open up your Bibles to James 2, uh, starting with verse 14. Uh, but before we begin, um, it is my prayer and my petition that as we walk through this scripture, which can be very difficult to really comprehend and understand, and maybe after you read this too, you're just kind of like, man, I'm all jacked up, and you know, like I got to work on this, work on that. And uh, the most important that I, thing that I want you to be able to walk away with today is that you are going to be able to delight in the Lord, that you are going to be able to delight in him knowing that you belong to him, that your identity is in him, that no matter what, where you've been or how many times you've done it, that you are still loved and you are still forgiven. And because of that, you receive grace. And because of that grace, we are saved through our faith. And that is the most important thing that I will have to say. It is the thing that we will continue to preach as a church. And if we stop preaching this, then there's something wrong about us, okay? So that we may delight in him no matter what. I was surrounded with a lot of friends when I was on vacation. And I, I, I came across this one friend. And honestly, it was a very difficult um, conversation. And he knows what I do, and, he, and he's a good friend, but you know his ideas are very you know different than mine, and, and you're going to find that in the world. There's going to be people that think differently about you know where, what life is all about, what God is all about, and he still could not understand that we can delight in the Lord, that he is taking care of everything. And for, even for us, as we are sitting in these chairs, sitting in these pews, sometimes it's very hard and very difficult to be able to grasp that. So I want you to be able to know that. I want you to be able to believe that, that you are fully forgiven in Christ Jesus, no matter what. So when you look at this, 
and when you see this and you're, you're just like, well, you know, I, I don't know if this really can best describe me because I'm a very messy, goofy, ignorant person that just doesn't have it figured out and which none of us do, okay? And I want you to know that, um, that even though we work through something difficult like this, that you are forgiven, you are loved, and that is what my prayer is for us today. That is what I want us to be able to walk out of this today, knowing that even with your imperfections, you are loved you are loved no matter what. So James chapter two, uh, we're gonna be starting with verse 14. And I wanna be able to cover um, these three things. Now remember, our, our series is how grace changes everything, all right? So when you read the book of James, it, again, it sounds very legalistic, all right? It sounds like very rule-following type of religious types of way in order to earn eternal life. No, that's not the case, okay? Because when we look at the book of James, that when the people were receiving this letter, they knew everything about grace. They knew everything about the forgiveness through Christ Jesus. But here, James is challenging people to take a little bit step further in their faith. They're saying, you know, if, if you really believe this, you're really going to do something about it, okay? And it's going to look different where the world's going to see Jesus through you. And so that is what's being communicated with us today. So there's three points, and I want to give it to you right now. You're, it's going to be very, um, you're going to see this in Scripture. The three points are this. Faith without works is useless. Faith without works is ineffective. And faith without works is dead and is no faith at all. So before we begin, let's read Scripture as we dive in, starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. And that's a compliment, by the way. Um, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac at the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and his faith completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled, and, the, and, and it says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith that is alone. Um, that's, better, that's actually a better translation right there. And in the same way, was not also Rahab. And first of all, I love, I love the fact that he mentions Rahab. Okay, you never hear about Rahab in Sunday school, Rahab the prostitute, you know, there's no songs about her, but like, yet like it's talked about in the scripture, a person who is very messy and maybe you can relate, I can relate to a person like Rahab because like I don't have it all together. So I love that Rahab's in there. Just need a side note. Okay, um, the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from work is dead. So right now, you just read this, and your legalistic 
um, you know, clicker is going on in your head right now, and you're just like, oh, man, all right, this is, what do I need to do to, you know, get my life together, you know? Um, you know, I, I need to start learning to play the acoustic guitar because we need someone here in the band, or I need to, like, wake up at five in the morning and start doing my devotions. I need to do this, 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 whatever it may be, whatever you think that you may, may be able to fix, you need to be able to fix it because it's, I don't know, like, it seems like this is what exactly what this verse is talking about, okay? Now, again, it says faith without works is dead, and you don't want to necessarily be dead, but then when you read this text and you hear James saying this, James is not arguing that, like, your works need to be added to your faith. It just doesn't work that way, okay? It just does not work that way. Um, because that would go completely against the gospel of what, what Jesus was trying to accomplish. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of um, philosophers, there's a lot of, or not philosophers, there's a lot of theologians out there, there's a lot of people that really don't like the book of James. And just because it sounds so different than any other book, it sounds so legalistic. But again, if you understand the framework, again, that's why we have all these frames up here, just to get this picture in your head. If you understand the framework of grace and how grace works and everything, all this stuff makes sense. All this stuff starts to click. And we want to be able to see things like this click so that way we are showing more and more people who Jesus is and we don't want to be able to, um, it, it, we want to be able to live by this so that we know that you know through our works we're going to be able to show people our faith. Now, um, again, you may think, like, you, you look at the commandments and everything, and you're just like, wow, like, I can't get all the commandments right. Um, I maybe get three out of the ten commandments right, and so, but that's just not how this all works. Like, God does not care about, like, you know how, like, you have a professor and everything, and if you, like, you totally screw up, and you're just like, man, I wonder what I can do to be able to uh, uh, make up this test or do a little bit extra credit. You, you, you ever experienced that before? So that way you can get a higher grade. College students, can you nod your head, please? Thank you. Okay. Um, that's not how it works, okay? Again, God does not care about passing the test because we have failed completely, and there is nothing that we can do, but thanks be to God, we have Christ Jesus, okay? I know it's, I'm, what I'm saying may sound very redundant, but if I, like, don't go back to that each time, then we're totally missing the point. It's very important. I have two things that I want to be able to define for you today. First of all, faith, okay? And the definition for faith is faith trusts in God and obeys God. Faith trusts in God and obeys God. And then I also want to also define works. Works is a life of loving God and loving others, okay? So even in the, if we looked earlier in the chapter in James, where um, it talks about kind of like love God and love others, like that's basically what it's talking about for works right there, okay? So we want to be able to live by that, and we want to see that. So I want to get through my three points, and the first point, again, that I was, one I want to share with you is faith without works is useless. So I want to use this illustration starting with the first 15, if you can go back there. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, um, and let's just talk about this for a second. So it's not just saying like um, someone like who you see doesn't like dress like you, doesn't have the nicest clothes or, you know, the nicest things. It, what it's saying right here is like if you see someone 
who is in need, you need to be able to do something about that, okay? You need to be able to help the brother, help the sister out, instead of just saying like, hmm, I pray that everything goes well for you. Like, how many times do you say that to people? Like, you just like, we're, we're praying for you. We're really, we're thinking about you right now. No, if you see someone who's in need and needs help and is, and is mourning and crying, like, let's do something about that. Let's, 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 let's be active about that, okay? Um, I see these things all the time. So, for instance, we were just on vacation, and we had to make the long haul, which is 28 hours, but who's counting, all the way to Wisconsin, Florida to Wisconsin, okay? And typically, when you are driving and that long, you see many people at the side of the road. Am I correct? This is how my brain works. Oh, they have a flat tire. Um, looks like they need help, but I'm going to like ignore them right now because like I have a long drive to make, you know? And usually what happens is I have someone like my wife, and she's like, Phil, like I really think we should do something about it. like no no you know we've already driven like a mile too far like I can't just u-turn and go around and help that person out see although she is convicting me in that type of behavior it's like it's true though if you see something if you see someone in need like you want to be able to do something about it I wonder what it would look like if I pulled over the road I don't know like 10 times because maybe I saw at least 10 cars on the side of the road and actually help that person out and maybe that could have led to a conversation about Jesus and maybe that could have led to something about you know someone knowing about the true love of what Jesus is all about and they can have uh, a I can share that story with them and, and, and maybe they would come to Christ. I don't th- that could be a possibility but if I just keep driving by and I keep ignoring that if I ignore the needs, then it's completely useless. Now, I know that sounds like an extreme, and I know that we have to be at certain places at certain times and everything, but what would it look like if we did something like this? What, it, what would it look like if we lived that kind of way? The next point. Faith without works. Oh, what did I say the first point? First point, ah, I'm getting all messed up right here. Faith without works is ineffective. That's the second point right there. Faith without works is ineffective. Let's go to the scripture, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart of works is useless? Now, let's just say, hypothetically, that James is addressing this letter right here, you know, to a group of people, and there's someone who is like an antagonist in this group, and this is probably what's happening. I'm, I don't know this for sure, okay, but, you know, many theologians kind of figure this out and piece this together, okay, and they, they basically say that there have been people kind of challenging um, this type of thinking, um, and quite honestly, there's people like myself that think this way as well. So probably what was happening was in the church that people are like, well, I really don't have to do anything because I know all about grace. I know what Jesus has done for me. I know that he has died for my sins, you know, and because of that, I receive eternal life, okay? And so James was dealing with someone just like this, okay? And, and, and quite honestly, I think we do the same thing, don't we? You know, it's like we intellectually know the right words, the right Christian jargon, 
the right comforting words that we can share with other people so that way, you know, we can get out of, I don't know, let's say helping someone or, or, or being able to show people who our Jesus is. I love um, the verse that comes from Paul. It says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate, imitate Christ. I always share this with uh, the group of my guys that I'm with. I'm saying, guys, like, we want to be able to imitate Jesus so other people will imitate us. But if there's nothing to imitate about us, how are we going to show them Jesus? Am I correct? And so, again, this is why James is talking about this right here. He's saying, like, you can't just have these things separated, okay? You can't just, like, live your life and know the Christian jargon and share these things with people and then feel better about yourselves. Like, you want to be able to imitate Jesus so other people may imitate you. The things must just go together. So I want to share something with you today. And uh, I'm, I'm not all about illustrations or props, but I brought this. Um, this right here was made by myself in fifth grade at my Christian summer camp, all right? And I still have this little stool here today. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm not a builder at all. Right, Tim Richter? Like, I don't know anything. Like, ask my wife. She knows way more than me. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. I know about computers and stuff like that, but that's basically it. So I don't know anything about building. Like, usually if I have instructions, that's fine. But needless to say, like, if you were asked me to build something, you probably would not have a lot of confidence in me, okay? And so if I asked one of you to come up here today and said, you know, I built this back in the fifth grade. It's a, it's a little rusty and everything. And I want you to be able to, like, stand on this completely, trusting that, you know, what I built in fifth grade is still good enough, all right? And you're hoping that, like, you know, that it won't break. And, and you may say, like, you know, like, it looks good enough. Like, you know, you, you, you probably built that well enough. And then I asked you, okay, we'll stand on it. And you're like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> fifth grade, we know about your construction skills and everything like that. But, you know, it looks like you, you made it right. You got the right screws in there, but I'm okay. You know, but I'm like, no, you, you, I want you to be able to stand on it, showing me that you have faith in this particular stool that I built in the fifth grade. And you're just like, well, um, maybe you can do it, but, you know, that's just not my cup of tea, you know? Like, what the author is saying right here is these things have to go together, all right? Faith and works go together. Yes, we know by grace we are saved, and that is the most important thing. But if we cannot be able to, if we're not able to show people what this looks like, this faith, what it looks like, how we can love other people, it's going to be completely useless. It's going to be very difficult. Which leads me to my last point. Faith without works is dead and it has no faith at all. Now, I want to take us back to these examples right here. First of all, we had the example of Abraham. And what do we know about Abraham? Father Abraham and many sons, right? Many sons had father Abraham. If you don't know the song, you're just like, what is this guy singing right now? Yeah, exactly. And, and you're still, the people who don't know the song are so confused. Like, what's going on? We, we know... We know this man named Abraham, and God made a special covenant with him. He made a promise to him 
that, you know, through his family, through his line, you know, there's going to be many people that come after. Eventually, Jesus would come through Abraham, and, and God makes this great covenant with Abraham himself. Now, Abraham had favor with God. His life was pretty messy. Um, I mean, and, and even at times, I don't know if you know this about Abraham, but like there's a moment where he got really scared and um, he basically like he was with his wife and this one guy really wanted his wife. So he said, oh, you can take her. She's my sister because he was scared about being killed, you know, and, and like Abraham is just like weird like that. He like so he did that just so that he could survive. So I wonder how that worked out in their marriage later on. It's like, hey, remember that one time when you claimed to be brother and sister? Like, I'm still holding that against you, okay? Um, so like, you know, he, he was too a very messy individual, uh, did not have it all together. But what is totally incredible and what James is sharing in this passage right here is there was a moment where um, he had a son. And if you, if you don't know the story, it took him and his wife a very long time. They didn't have a son like till their, their 90s, you know. Um, talk about infertility right there. Like God still works with that. And they had a son. And then what God said, hey, I want you to take your son, your only son, um, to be sacrificed. And uh, what did Abraham do? He, he obeyed. He took his son. <laughs> Um, up there, and, and his son was saying, you know, you know, uh, Father, where, where's the, the ram that we're about to sacrifice? And, and what we remember Abraham saying is, you know, the Lord's going to provide, and, and the Lord wanted him to strap up his son and eventually sacrificed him, and then when he was about to do it, you know, God told him to stop, and then there was a ram there to be sacrificed and everything, and, and here there's something to be said about Abraham's faith right there. And we can refer back to this story time after time that even though that was his only son, even though he was promised before that many generations of family to come before him where it seemed like, how is this even possible that God has asked him to do that? He still trusts in God. He showed his faith in that circumstance. And then we have Rahab. I don't remember a Sunday school song about Rahab at all. So if you know one, it'd be really cool if we made it up. But I don't know if they make one for a prostitute. Um, but uh, I, I love the fact that James mentions Rahab in this particular message, in this particular scripture, I should say. And uh, we know that Rahab just hears about the faith for the very first time, doesn't really know too much about God, but knows that there's something special about God and knew that God's people were in her city and they were about to be captured. And Rahab was a person that no one really cared about. Um, you know, if they found out that she was hiding God's people, um, probably some incredibly awful things would happen to her. They probably would just kill her on the spot because no one really cared for her anyways because she was a prostitute. She was the lowest of lows, but yet she still had faith and trust in God. And she was, be, she was able to be able to share those things. And because of the things that she was able to do, more and more people knew who God was. And that's why we even refer back to her when we read scriptures and we see those things. Two very excellent examples of biblical characters showing how their faith, their works in God was able to show other people more about the ways of God and his love. Um, there's this pastor. His name is Charles Spurgeon. Um, do you know who he is? A very, um, he, he's like, he's like the pastor of all pastors, I think. You know, like he's in the Hall of Fame of pastors. Um, 
pretty sure. I mean, you like, I think we like we uh, heard one of his videos a while back during Christmas time. You know, he's like famous for all his different messages and everything. And he said something very interesting about um, this whole thing. Um, he wanted to share an illustration about faith and works and what that looks like. So I want us to read this quote and then let this kind of sink in. He says this, A tree has been planted out into the ground. Now the source of life to that tree is at the root, whether it have apples or it or it or not. The apples would give not the apples would not give it life, but the whole of the life of the trees will come from its root. But if the tree stands in an orchard, and when the springtime comes, there is no bud, and when the summer comes, there is no leafing and no fruit bearing, but the next year and the next it stands there without a bud or a blossom or the leaf or the fruit, you would say it's dead, and you are correct. It is dead. We want to be able to bear fruit. We want to be able to... Um, do these things in order to show more and more people who Jesus is. We want to be able to imitate Jesus so that way other people will imitate us. But the problem is we know the very the most important thing that's going on right there. If, if the root is not strong, then how are we really expecting anything to bear fruit? And then, um, quite honestly... And I don't mean to pick, I always like pick on my guys who are in my huddle and everything. And I'm sorry, you guys are just good examples. And, I'm, and I, we talk about like, hey, the importance of being in the word of God, you know, being with God and, and, and you know, learning from scripture and everything. And, and I share with them, like, how do we expect to bear fruit if we are not like in the word? If we are not abiding in God, how are we expecting to bear fruit with, uh, with other people that they're going to be able to see the goodness of who Jesus is? It's just not possible. And this is why James is arguing this today. Yes, he totally gets it. We are saved by the grace of God. And I want you to be able to take delight in that as we walk out of this room, knowing that because it is truth and it's what we will continue to preach time after time, who Jesus is. But if we are not able to be able to show other people and we're not able to bear fruit, like what, what is the point? This has been a tough week, right? Very difficult week. And quite honestly, what happens, first of all, like I know people have been mourning the death of all these people, these innocent people that have been killed, or whatever, whatever you may think, okay? There's been a lot of bloodshed that's been going on. But then what I notice, whether if you're at the coffee house, or you're on Facebook, or if you're on social media, or you're listening to CNN or Fox News, everyone starts stating their opinions of what needs to happen next, am I right? And you probably felt the urge this week to give your two cents of what needs to happen in our world to make our, our country, our place, a better place to live. And in a way, like, that's not, that's not horrible and that's not bad, but what would it look like if we actually did something about this rather than just talk about these things, but actually do something? What would it look like, you know, maybe you, you have your ideas of, you know, what should happen, but you actually 
I don't know, you go out and, and, and you make a difference in the world. Rather than talking about it, you do something. You're going to be able to bear fruit that way. And we want people to be able to see these things. We want to be able to imitate Christ so other people will imitate us. That's exactly what James is trying to share. And I think as a church that we can be able to show those things to others. Even if it may be pretty difficult at times. Even if, even if we don't really like the person in general. Like we have an opportunity to be able to show the grace and love to all people through Christ Jesus. And that is how grace changes everything. This is how we live. This is how we act. And this is how we respond as a church. Amen? Amen. Father, these, these things, these words that were shared with us today and um, can be very difficult to understand. And many times we feel what, what is being read right here sounds very legalistic, very, you know, what we have to do um, in order to please you. But we know that you are already pleased with us. You've made us righteous. You've made us clean. And that's because of what you've done at the cross. So Lord, um, we know that when we do the things that we do in order to serve and love other people, it's because of your cross and because of your resurrection that only makes us desire to do those things. So Lord, Help others be able to see what you've done so that we may bear fruit in your name, Jesus. Amen.